Welcome to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast, coming to you from Gilbert, Arizona. We pray that God will bless your time as you listen. my homily. I believe some introductions are in order. My name is Father Sebastian Walsh. I'm a Norbertine priest from the, from the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange in Southern California, and I'm here to preach your annual Lenten parish mission or retreat. Um, I've been here many times before, so my face might look familiar, and a number of your faces look familiar to me. And um, I will be preaching on the script, the Eucharist in Holy Scripture. So that'll be the topic for the talks. They will be um, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. and Tuesday night at 7 p.m. will be the two talks that I'll be giving. So please pray for me and I assure you of my prayers as well. In today's reading from the book of Genesis, God said to Noah, See, I am now establishing my covenant with you and with every living creature that was with you, all the birds and all the various tame and wild animals that were with you. At the beginning of our race, God established a covenant with Adam. And in order to provide for him a suitable helpmate, he formed the different animals. He brought each of the animals to Adam, and whatever Adam named them, that would be their name. But of course, there was found none that was suitable as a partner for Adam. So God cast a deep sleep over him and opened his side and formed from his rib close to his heart his wife Eve. And so at this beginning of our race, a kind of harmony existed Harmony existed between the animals and man, between man and the angels, between man and God. It was a time of peace, peace with God, peace with creation. But then, as we know, that fateful day came when Adam and Eve committed that original sin, and that sin introduced a division, ultimately leading to more and more sin. After the sin of Adam and Eve, we read about the sin of Cain slaying his brother Abel. And it only went downhill from there, from one sin to another. Sin destroyed the harmony that existed between God and man, between man and creation. And things got so bad by the time of Noah that we read one of the saddest lines of all of scripture. God said, I regret that I have made mankind. I regret that I have made mankind. And so he made up his mind that he would destroy, utterly destroy all mankind from the face of the earth except the one righteous family of Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. So he told Noah, you've got 120 years to build an ark. Go for it. (laughs) And he did. He built that ark with his sons over the course of 120 years. And then he and his family entered in 
together with the animals, and they were saved. St. Peter tells us that flood which wiped away all the sinners from the face of the earth was a prefigurement of baptism. Well, you would think that after such a calamity, a disaster which wiped out nearly all of our race, that mankind would have learned its lesson and said, okay, no more sin. We follow the commandments of God from here on out. You would think. But we're a stubborn race. And what happened was that slowly but surely, sin came back into the world and things got worse. And if you read the history of the Old Testament, it's basically a downward spiral. Sin, punishment, sin, punishment, sin, punishment. Man would sin, and God would punish him. And God's punishment was not because he hated man, but because he loved him. The reason for punishment was the same reason the parent punishes their child, in order to make known to the child their sin, what they've done wrong. And so after the punishment, mankind would improve a little bit, but then they'd sink to depths even lower than before after they forgot about the punishment. So it would be sin, punishment, then man would get a little better, and then he'd get a lot worse. Then he'd get a little better, then he'd get a lot worse. A little better and a lot worse. Things were not going in the right direction. So what was God to do? Man's sins had become so grave that there was no punishment that was adequate to reveal to him the magnitude, the full magnitude of his sinfulness. The only punishment that would do that would be the total annihilation of our race. But he loved us and he had made a covenant that he would not do that. What was God to do? So he devised a plan. He said to himself, I know what I will do. I will enter my own creation. I will send my own son into the world and I will punish him for all the sins of mankind. That way, they can see the sins and the full magnitude of their sins in the punishment I give to my son. That is, in fact, what happened. When Jesus endured his passion, he endured the shame, the guilt, and all the punishment do for every single sin committed from the first sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of Cain, all the way down to the last sin of the last sinner in the history of the world, including all of your sins and all of my sins. That was only possible because he was God, that he could endure in his soul that intensity of shame and guilt. So let no one here who feels guilty for their sins believe that they are beyond the forgiveness of God. Jesus felt the guilt of your sin and a lot more than your sin. He also found a new purpose for the waters. Before he had sent the waters as a flood to destroy all sinners, but now he sent a more powerful flood of water to destroy all sin through the sacrament of baptism. As St. Peter said, the flood prefigured baptism. It is less powerful than baptism, for the flood destroyed the sinners, but baptism destroyed the sin.
So it is not surprising that in today's gospel, we read that Jesus, having come into the world to begin his public ministry, first underwent baptism, not because he needed it, but in order to be an example to us and to sanctify the waters to prepare them for our baptism. And not only that, after he comes out of the water, he hears a voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peace and harmony is restored between God and man. And we read in St. Mark's Gospel, he was among the wild beasts and angels ministered to him. Peace was restored between man and creation. So with the coming of Christ, there was again a new creation. Now just as at the first creation, God permitted man to be tested by Satan, so he permits his son in this 40 days in the wilderness to be tested by Satan. But where the first Adam failed, the second Adam, Christ, prevailed. And all those who are in Christ conquer with him. And only those who are in Christ conquer with him. Forty days and forty nights, God rained the flood of water upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights, Christ was in the desert with no water. It was as if he were the antidote for the flood. So what does that have to do with us? Well, we too have begun our 40-day journey in the desert. And we are supposed to make that journey with Christ, the 40 days of Lent. And they are meant by God to be for us a new creation. For each one here, God wants to recreate your soul. He wants to reestablish harmony between your soul and God, between you and the rest of creation, among you and your family members. God wants to restore that harmony, that peace. And during these 40 days, we too will be confronted by the wild animals, not the furry kind, but the kind of wild animals that are represented by our unruly passions, our anger, our impatience, our lust, our laziness, our self-centeredness. All those unruly passions are like so many wild animals that we'll have to confront during these 40 days of Lent. And what's more, we'll be tempted by Satan to whisper us whisper to us all sorts of things. Do what you want, not what's good for others. And so if we are to conquer with Christ, we must be united with Christ. And the first thing we must do is to renew within us the power of our baptism, to tap once again into this tremendous source of grace which we have been given. So often people think of their baptism as something that happened a long time ago, perhaps when they were a child, and it's over and done with. But don't you understand? The power of your baptism remains within your soul for all eternity. 
constantly a source of renewal, of renewal, of strength. This is so true that St. Francis de Sales, a doctor of the church, held the opinion that the majority of the baptized would end up saved just by the power of their baptism within them, even though many of the faithful, the baptized, try very little. So there is a tremendous power still at work in our baptism. And we must tap into that power. I want to give you three ways that we can once again renew the power of our baptism. The first is very simple. Use holy water. It's a sacramental. It's supposed to remind us of our baptism. There's holy water in the back there. Bring some home with you. Get a little bottle. Have some holy water. Demons hate holy water, I'll tell you that. Secondly, go to confession. The fathers of the church called confession a second baptism. And the reason is because confession, the sacrament of confession, is just a reapplication of the grace of our baptism in the here and now. If an unbaptized person came to me and confessed their sins, my absolution would do nothing because the sacrament of confession does nothing without the power of baptism. But everyone who goes to confession experiences a rewashing of their souls, a re-cleansing of their souls, as if once again newly baptized. And finally, we must make use of that greatest of sacraments, the Most Holy Eucharist. While the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert, we're fed by the manna. We must be fed not by the manna, but the true bread which our Father gives from heaven, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know that in the early church, St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that all the faithful used to go to daily Mass, in some places where the faith is new, we still see some vestiges of that. I was told in South Korea that 10% of the faithful go to daily mass. In the United States, it's more like 1%. But all the faithful used to go to daily mass, and you know at great price. To go to mass in those days meant to risk your life. What was the price you paid to come to mass today? St. Thomas says that it was only because the charity grew cold in the hearts of Christians that the church eventually had to institute a Sunday obligation, that it's an obligation to go to Mass at least on Sundays. Isn't that the saddest thing? That we have to be obliged to go to Mass? That's like being obliged to pick up your lottery winnings. <laughs> this is the greatest good in the universe the greatest thing you can do. It is a privilege, not an obligation to attend Mass. If instead of distributing communion at daily Mass, I distributed $100 bills, how many of you would come to daily Mass then? I think we all know the answer to that question. And yet it is not a $100 bill that you receive at daily Mass but the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And every time you receive communion worthily, your throne in heaven is raised for
forever. Wouldn't you like that? In these 40 days of Lent, this would be a wonderful time to start the practice of attending daily Mass at least as often as you can. What a beautiful practice, a beautiful thing to do. And that way we will walk with Jesus through these 40 days, through prayer, through letting go of creatures. And last of all, we must invite the Holy Spirit to move us as he moved Jesus. We read in today's Gospel that the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. We must invite the Holy Spirit to move us, to open the sails of our hearts, to be moved by the Holy Spirit, moved by love, moved by a desire to save souls, by a desire to glorify God, by a desire to be united with him forever. We cannot be faithful even for one day during this holy season on our own. But we can do all things in Christ, who strengthens us by the gift of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast. For additional podcasts and media, visit us on the web at www.sanneaz.org. Again, that's www.stanneaz.org. St. Anne, pray for us.